I just knew that I had to know this Jesus who changed my dad's life, who changed my family's future forever. And I owe it all to the local church because it was a local church in that small group meeting that invited me that is the presence of God like made real for me in that moment. It was a pastor who shared the gospel with my dad months on months on months that helped my dad experience Jesus. And so for me, those were the moments that really pushed me uh, in my personal walk with Jesus and my relationship with the local church. If it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out, then Queen, we have a few questions to ask and a few conversations to have. I am your host, Liv Dooley, and I cannot wait to introduce you to some of the women who inspire me to fall more deeply in love with the Word of God and walk in integrity in new ways every day. I am so grateful that you're here. Let's go on and get to work. Hey y'all, it's me Liv and I am so ridiculously excited that you are here for yet another episode of The Best Kept Secret. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you are in for a treat today, sis. Oh, our guest is so full of wisdom and anointing that I cannot wait for you to hear from her. But what's cool is that some of the things that we talked about during our time together are being voiced about in this particular week. Y'all, we talked about the beauty of the local church. We talked about the opportunity to pray and the miracles that God can do in that place of prayer and whew, Y'all, I still get chills when I think about what Sis shared with us. If you have been on social media and watching the news and everything, you may have recognized that there are some really amazing things going on throughout the church today. And, oh, it is so encouraging. For those of you who may not be familiar with Asbury University, it's a Christian college where a lot of people gathered for chapel on Wednesday, February 8th. However, something different happened when they gathered on February 8th because after the last song was sung, everyone remained. People who have been there shared that there was a sweet presence in the atmosphere that was so palpable that no one wanted to leave. And as of this recording today, that revival is still going on as people pour into Asbury to experience God's presence. I do want to encourage you to remember that Psalm 22, 3 tells us that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. 
And so if you are questioning when on earth or how you could possibly feel the presence of the Lord like they may be experiencing there, I want to invite you to lift your voice up to him. I want to invite you to begin to just call out every good thing that you know about him, to read the Psalms aloud, to walk through your homes and just begin to speak of his goodness. I want you to know that you will feel him. He is faithful and he inhabits, he dwells in our praises. You know, I know that there have been a lot of emotion and different opinions surrounding this revival, but one that I've actually been drawn to is that which has actually been unspoken. And I sense the Lord inviting us to talk about disappointment. What happens when you prayed? that the Lord would show up for your situation, and he didn't. What happens when you and your church have been praying for revival, and you still feel as if you're simply going through the motions? What happens when you have done everything that you can to empty yourself at his feet, and you still don't feel closed? What happens? What do we do with that disappointment when we find that other brothers and sisters are experiencing the exact opposite? Well, I believe the first thing that we do is to remember that God is faithful and that we can look to our brothers and sisters for encouragement, remembering that He has no favorites, that they're ability to enjoy this new awareness of his presence and how he's moving is simply a sign of what he can do within our circles as well. You know, I share a lot of different statistics here, but it's my hope that you remember that as we come together every single week to grow in integrity and to learn how we can walk more confidently in obedience to the Lord, it is always with the expectation that he is going to move. After all, he said that the gates of hell would not prevail against his church. We come together here to identify ways to encourage one another as we continue to walk in obedience because we believe that he is yet moving. We believe that he yet has a plan. We believe that he is doing the miraculous every single day and we want to be a part of that. But today we're going to talk about disappointment. Because I know that there have been many of you who have been praying for a move of God yourselves. And as you remember that he has no favorites and he can do the same for you, I want to read Acts chapter 12. Verse 1 says, About that time, King Herod violently attacked some who belonged to the church. And he executed James, John's brother, with a sword. 
When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter too during the festival of unleavened bread. After the arrest, he put him in prison and assigned four squads of four soldiers each to guard him, intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying fervently to God for him. You know, the Lord sends an angel to release Peter from captivity. And it is an absolutely miraculous release that you should continue to read. But one thing that I don't want us to miss is what happened first. We know that the early believers met fervently day after day, multiple times a day to pray. We know that they were being persecuted. And because of that, they were praying for their brothers and sisters with every bit of fervor that they did for Peter here. And yet, James, John's brother, was killed anyway. These Christians continued to pray. They continued to press past their disappointment. They continued to press past the expectation that they had had that God would have moved and the pain that they experienced when he didn't. They continued to press past all of it to pray. Hour after hour. (laughs) And when Rhoda, the servant who answered the door, once Peter stood there knocking, found out that it was him, she ran back to the others to tell them within the house that Peter was there and they didn't even believe her. The Lord answered their prayer about Peter. After they'd seen that he'd failed to answer, their prayers on this side of heaven for James. What do you do with that when you've been disappointed? You keep praying. What do you do with it when you have prayed, knowing that it is God's will, knowing that he wants your brother to live? And you see them kill him anyway. You keep praying. Today it is my prayer that as you consider what is happening at Asbury and what it is that you are asking God for in your own life, that you keep praying. My God, strengthen our faith. Help us to find resilience in your presence and help us to continue looking to you because we know that you are faithful. We thank you, Lord God, that your will is done here on earth as it is in heaven. And we are grateful, God, for the challenge and the encouragement to keep praying. 
In Jesus' name, amen. It's that time, y'all. My co-host Tanya and I are here with another woman you should know. Tanya, girl, tell us, who should we know this week? Liv, today I have the pleasure of introducing everyone to Shonda Angelou. On IG, you can find her at Revive Faith Co. Listen, her page is chock full of resources for Christians. She's got resources on prayer. She's got resources on Bible study. Her Bible study posts always have to save them. I always have to share them. They're always so encouraging and life-giving and perspective altering. And I think that's a big deal because when we look at things the same way that we used to all the time, Sometimes it's hard to address, why am I inconsistent with the Bible study, for example? But a different perspective can help you see where you can grow, how you can change your approach, and how you can really improve that space in your life. So I admire the work that she does professionally. She's a public health advocate, but her page for Christians is so full of resources I would encourage everyone on IG to hit her up at Revive Faith Co. and just be blessed by the content that she shares there. Mm, I love that so much. You know, there are times in our prayer lives that we kind of, you know, become lost for words. And so I appreciate that she has prayer cards to help prompt you to just enjoy deeper, more thorough time with God in your personal time. And y'all, y'all go over to her website, check out everything that she has in addition to IG because I have been blessed by what I have seen for sure. We thank you so much, Shonda, and we appreciate you. Y'all, this is a woman you should know. Today, I am so excited to introduce you to another encouraging woman in the word. And my goodness, God is just moving in her life in incredible ways. You will definitely understand when you listen in today. But let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Simi John is a speaker and the author of I Am Not. She was born in India and moved to Texas at the age of seven. She and her husband, Jason, pastor a church in Norman, Oklahoma. Simi is a full-time physical therapist and mom of two children. She is a regular contributor for Encourage and has also written for Thrive Today, Everyday Faith by Dayspring, and Mops Magazine. From podcasts, to youth camps, to large events like MomCon, to video teachings on Right Now Media, Simi regularly teaches on topics from identity to leadership to scripture. You can find everything that you'd like to know about Simi at simijohn.tv. Now, please help me welcome Simi John to the best at right, y'all. I am really looking forward to this conversation. Today, we have Simi John with us. Simi, how are you? I am doing so good. Excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. 
Absolutely. Thanks for hanging out with us. You know, the first question I want to ask you is where did your love for Jesus and the local church start? Mm, that's a great question. So I was born in India. I was born into a religious house. I always say it's, we were always Christians, but we were more religious than we were spiritual. And so my dad was an alcoholic. Um, and so he was addicted to alcohol. He was also super abusive towards my mom. So growing up, um, I saw my dad beat my mom like every night. And I was a, you know, seven, eight year old pulling my dad off my mom. So he would stop hurting her. And, you know, when you grow up in that kind of environment, in that kind of home, you just think that's normal. That's family, that's marriage. That's, and part of our Indian culture was, you know, men can do whatever you just don't tell anybody about it because it's an honor shame culture. And so there was a part of me just that just thought this was all normal. And I remember going to a, a little small group meeting at someone's house that we were invited to just my mom and I, and while I was sitting there and listening to people, you know, worship, sing songs and share and pray together, I was eight years old. Um, and, you know, I really had never been in an environment like that, hearing people pray like that, because like I said, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I didn't know what that meant or looked like. But there was something in that room that I felt that I could not deny. And I remember just looking at everyone's faces as they were praying and singing and seeing this joy, this deep sense of joy. And without really anyone sharing the gospel with me, without ever explaining what even being saved meant, I remember saying, I don't know what you have, but I know I don't have it and that I desperately need it. And that was the moment that I realized, you know, the life that I had, it wasn't normal. There was something better. There was hope. There was joy that I could have. And that's really where I started to have this love for Jesus without anyone really explaining that. And through a course of events um, with my family, my dad met Jesus and he was an alcoholic. Like I mentioned, I remember the pastor coming over and, you know, my dad desperately wanted to stop drinking because he knew Jesus, but he had this stronghold that kept him from walking in freedom. And he told the pastor, I was 13 at the time. And he told the pastor, I just want to stop drinking. I went to rehab. I tried everything. I can't do this on my own. And the pastor asked my mom to bring a glass of water. And we were just kids. My brother and I just standing there watching all this happen. Right. And my mom brought a glass of water and my, and the pastor said, I'm going to just pray over this water that, you know, God would break every chain of bondage of addiction over your life and that he would set you free and he would heal you completely. And we prayed that prayer. We all said, amen. I watched my dad drink that entire glass of water and never touch alcohol again. And my dad went on to become a missionary and evangelist, traveled the world with the gospel message, which he still does. And I think that moment was what pushed me into this love affair with Jesus and his word, because it was real. It was more real than anything I knew. Um, and I just knew that I had to know this Jesus who changed my dad's life, who changed my family's future forever. And I 
owe it all to the local church because it was a local church in that small group meeting that invited me that is the presence of God like made real for me in that moment. It was a pastor who shared the gospel with my dad months on months on months that helped my dad experience Jesus. And so for me, those were the moments that really pushed me uh, in my personal walk with Jesus and my relationship with the local church. Mm, My goodness. That just gave me chills as I listened to you to just hear the power of prayer. We know it, you know, but it's these testimonies that help to just solidify the belief and the knowledge of what God can do through our simple obedience and active faith as we just depend completely on him. My goodness, what a testimony. I am so grateful, so grateful for how you have shared that with us. Thank you. I I know that you are a pastor's wife, and so you all now lead a local church, and that you have also shared that you help women to you know know who they are and live faithfully where they are. Can you tell me what does that look like on a day to day basis? Yeah. You know, I really struggled with finding contentment um, right where I am. And so for me, it was a journey that God helped me realize like, hey, I'm right here. I'm here in the mundane. I'm here in the everyday. I'm here when you're wiping your baby's bottom. I'm here when you're cooking a meal. I'm here just as I am with you on that stage when you're speaking. And I want to help women know that because I think I meet so many women who are quote unquote busy, right? Because we're just striving to be seen and heard. And there's a part of us that are always waiting and wishing for the next season so that we can do all the things that God has called us to do. And I feel like we miss out on what God is doing now, what God is doing in us can do through us in the environment and the places God has placed us right now. And I think when we understand that, that's when we find contentment. That's when we're no longer jealous and living in comparison with her and seeing her social media highlights and seeing her opportunities and thinking, man, my life is just useless. You know, I'm just barren and I'm just like in this wasteland. And God's like, no, you can be fruitful right here if you'll be faithful. Because when we look at the Bible, there's None of the heroes of our faith were searching for their purpose and looking for great opportunities, right? They were simply living in obedience wherever God placed them. And God met them there in the mundane, in the ordinary, in the everyday small moments, because God is not looking for people who are trying to do big things. God is looking for people who are faithful. That's it. That's the only prerequisite to be used in the hands of God is you have to be faithful. And when we realize like, I don't need to be on stage. I don't need a a big platform on social media. I can be right here, be a mom and be used. That's when we find contentment. Mm -hmm. My goodness, you... 
have really uh, just spoken to some areas that I know are helping to just heal some women as the Lord continues to minister to them. I love how you shared that he spoke with you and shared with you that he's with you when you're washing the dishes, just like he's with you when you were on that stage sharing the gospel. I had one of probably my most like transformational moments in prayer one day when I felt the Lord say, now I hear you pray for an anointing when you minister, pray for an anointing in your marriage. Ooh. And I was like, <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and it was the first time that I really realized that yeah. he wants to help us in yes. every way. With Gosh, that's way. exactly it. That's exactly it. I think it is. He's saying, invite me into the small things too. Invite me into your mothering, into your marriage, because you need me there too. Because we think we just need God in the big things. We invite God to those big moments. God's saying, no, 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 you need me all the time. And when you invite my presence, you'll see the big, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So good. So good. Oh, my goodness. You know, I have just kind of been checking out everything that you offer and all the things that you do for a while now. And I'm just really, um, really moved by some of the things that you offer. And the woman that has been faithful and has a little tiny desire in her heart to step out on faith in new ways is on my heart today. I know that you have a set of questions that you've made available for women that visit your website to just, you know, begin to ask as they begin to consider their purpose and how what it looks like to move out on faith. So what would you just recommend to the woman who begins to take that step and say, all right, Lord, I'm going to show up in those mm -hmm. small things. I yeah. hear you. I feel you, but I don't know what this looks like. What questions would you kind of invite her to ask? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, there's a lot of questions that would, I would say would be good to kind of help solidify that this is God's call. This is the right time. This is the right season as far as capacity, margin, all that kind of stuff. I think the main question that I have learned to ask, and I say I have learned because this is not something that came naturally to me. In fact, it was my husband who asked me this question first because I'm like an idea person. I like I'm constantly like ADD, right? Like I'm like, I want to do that. I want to do that. I think I can do this. I want to do this. Oh God, like that would be great. Let me start this. I'm constantly doing that. It's like annoying, right? <laughs> me too, girl. Me too. <laughs> I want to do everything. And my, and my dad growing up was like, yes, go do it all. But my husband is not like that. So I remember being, you know, in our first like two years of marriage, I would go to him and I'd be like, Hey, I feel like I want to do this. I want to do that. And they're all good things. They're God things. Mm -hmm. And I'd go to him and he wouldn't be like my first, you know, cheerleader celebrating and like, all right, let's go. And he would annoy me because I'm like, you're not supporting me. Like, don't you love me? Don't you believe in me? Like my dad would always support me. Mm -hmm. His question to me would always be why, why do you want to do it? And it annoyed me. Because I'm like, you just don't want me to do it. 
you just don't want to help me. You just don't want to support me. That's fine. He's like, no, no, the why. And it would make me go back to the drawing board and really self-examine and look within myself. Why do I want to do this? And I think that's the question I would tell you to consider as well, because our hearts want to do so much, but our hearts are often not trustworthy, right? It's important for us to self-examine because our motives matter the most to God. More than what we can do for the kingdom, God is more interested in our hearts because more than anything else, we are his children. So I have to go back to the drawing board and say, is this for me to get validation, approval, applause? Is this for my promises to build my kingdom or is this for God? Is this because I am approved of God, accepted of God, chosen by God, appointed by God. And am I doing this because I want to help that one person or am I doing this because I want to get more followers? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things I had to scratch off my list because I realized and I recognized that it's because my heart was not in the right place. Mm-hmm. So it can be part of my purpose and my plans, but if it does not align with God's plan and God's purpose, it's not going to prevail. It's going to drain me. It's going to burn me out. So before anything else, I got to go back to the drawing board and look within my heart, self-examine and say, God, just like David prays, Lord, search my heart, examine my heart, see if there's any evil way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Because if you're not in it, I don't want it. If you're not going to go, then I'm not going to move. Right? Absolutely. That is a powerful little question. Why? Yes. And that even that even helps to, in many ways, explain what I was going to ask next. I, I, <laughs> I am very candid. My husband has been on this podcast with me as well, and he is also very candid. And so I was really grateful to see that you do, you and your husband do help women, you know, and men and couples in general, um, just kind of navigate conflict and communication and all of that, because that has been one area that we continue to sharpen one another, (laughs) whether we want to or not. (laughs) And I have always kind of felt this tension, especially the more I desire to step out, you know? And so that question coming back to why is really, really powerful. But what would you say to the woman, if anything else uh, beyond that, who is afraid of the conflict that really stepping out on purpose might, you know, create within her marriage as she chooses to move more boldly into what she feels God is calling her? Sis, it is time for you to start communicating confidently about God's truth, and I am here to help you do that. Whether you want to begin launching your own podcast or you want to recognize your areas of strength and the opportunities of growth you have, you can find a variety of resources in the show notes below as well as at liveduly.com. It's there that you can access the seven podcasting essentials that I cannot do without as well as the confidence quiz that I've prepared just for you. Now, go be great. That is a really, really good question. I think, um, I think first of all, even before 
you get married, you know, you have to know, like for those folks that are single that are listening, I would say you have to know your purpose. Like what is God calling you to? Because if you feel called to be in ministry and the person you marry is like, no, I want to travel the world, not as a missionary. I just want to travel the world, you know, live an RV life, you know, all that, then, you know, you're just going to bump into each other's purpose. Right. So you have to know that not only are you attracted to that person, that your purpose is aligned, that you can be helping each other fulfill the mission that God has for your life. And you're not going to be a hindrance to each other. So if you're single, you still have time to pray and prepare your, your life for that. Um, I think if you're already married, I think part of it is knowing that people change, right? I have friends who have gotten married and one person felt called to ministry and the other person's like, I don't want that. And their marriage has ended in divorce. And so this is a very, very good question. So my answer, I would say is marriage is the only thing that you have to actually make a covenant with with another person before God, mm-hmm. not ministry, right? Mm. God does not ask you to make a covenant for ministry. He does ask you in marriage to make a covenant with another person that you are going to live with them. You're going to cleave to them, that you're going to bind your hearts together forever. And so I think when it comes to, if this is creating division in your marriage, maybe this isn't the right season for you to do that particular thing. So you pray, you pray for God to help you be united. And if I always say, you know, if God, the Holy Spirit spoke to you on something and you feel like this is the, this is the thing that God is calling me to do. And I feel that in my spirit, then that same Holy Spirit can speak to the other person. If it's important to you, if that's the desire of your heart, you pray for that. I truly believe, and I had experiences in my life that God can soften the other person's heart to understand and see that, Hey, God's call on this person is this is real. And I I need to be a support for her. I need to be a help for her. I need to encourage her. And so maybe this is just not the right season, but I would say your marriage is your first priority, not ministry. Uh, some good teaching right there. He requires a covenant with marriage, but not with ministry. Mm-hmm. I have never heard it put that way before. That is good. Uh, as we prepare to just kind of wind down this conversation and these questions here, I recently read um, your chapter in Come Sit With Me that you wrote in with the other women from Encourage. And I was really just blessed by your story about how the Lord has led you to continue to live faithfully within leadership, especially when that leadership intersects with friendship and how that can be fragile and it can feel incredibly sensitive. And so I just want to ask if you would share with us what it looks like to live faithfully in the middle of rejection or pain and even some of that desire to kind of protect yourself. Mm -hmm. That was a hard story for me to write. Um, That was a deep wound um, that I, I mean, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit healing me, I don't think I could have written that. Um, and, And I'll share a little bit about that. But I think all of us, you know, even from a young age have 
experience some sort of rejection, right? Rejection is a part of human life. It is a part of every relationship that we will experience. And so I think it's important for us to know how to cope, how to handle rejection. Um, First, I always say, don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. You know, I was a, I'm a physical therapist. And I remember when I was a student, uh, I would get really, really, um, I want to say offended when patients would be mean. And I realized how pain would change people's personalities because when they were not experiencing pain, it was like, they were like a different person. I'm just like, today they're nice. Yesterday they were so mean to me, (laughs) you know? And I realized that it wasn't me. And, and, you know, in the in culture, we say hurt people hurt people, mm-hmm. right? And so for me, I saw it as pain changes people's personalities. And so it isn't necessarily that their rejection is because of something I did, I said, my presence or any of that. It is coming from a deep-rooted hurt and insecurity, a rejection, a fear that they themselves are experiencing. So first of all, we have to know not to take it personal, right? And the second thing I would say is that we have to remember God's love. And and in that story that I shared in the book, that's exactly what I had to do. I had to draw from God's uh, love for me because it hurts when people hurt us for no reason. It hurts, you know, when people hurt us for a reason, but when people reject you and leave you for no reason. There's no room for reconciliation because there's really nothing to reconcile, right? You haven't done anything wrong. That person is just ghosting you and saying, I don't want to have anything to do with you. I'm not your friend. I'm going to block you. I'm going to unfollow you, whatever. And you're kind of like, I didn't even do anything. Are we not going to talk about it? And being in ministry, being a pastor, it's like a revolving door. People come and go and come and go all the time. And it's super easy to put up a wall and say, you know what? I'm not going to love people that much because it hurts too much when they come and go and come and go and hurt me for no reason. And that's the place where I was. And I remember just sitting in my car, just crying and saying to myself, I'm not going to let anyone come back close to me again. I'm not going to love anyone that much again, because this hurts too much. This rejection is too much. And if I want to sustain a ministry, I have to protect my heart. So I'm going to keep everyone at arm's length. And that very moment, the Holy Spirit said, that is not the way I love you. And I was like, oof. But I am lovable. I didn't, you know, <laughs> because we think we're perfect, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and I was like, no, Simi, you hurt me. Like you forget to pray. You forget to trust in me. You leave all the time. You hurt me. And I'm still here. I don't love you from an arm's length. I draw you close. I am near you. I am with you. I am your constant help. I am closer than a brother. I am your friend never present help in trouble. I've never left your side. I'm Emmanuel. And I was like, man, I have heard God. The Bible says that Jesus died for us when we were enemies with God, when we rejected him, right? When we were shaking our fists in rebellion against him, he humbled himself and died the death that we should have died. And Jesus says, I don't call you enemies. I call you friends. Mm. And he draws us close. And the Holy Spirit in that moment said, Simi, 
if you want to lead my people, you got to love my people the way I love them. And you have to show them how you love me. And so I think if we want to be faithful in the way we love people through rejection, we have to be willing to freely give as we have been freely given. We have to go to God and draw from his grace and draw from his mercy and draw from his love because we're not going to know how to love, extend grace or mercy in those moments unless we go to him and we remember the grace and the mercy and the love we were shown. If we're going to freely give, we have to remember that we have been freely given to changes everything. Thank you. Thank you so much for bringing us into that. (sighs) Just want to rest right there for a moment. (laughs) Good. Well, I know that everybody is already digging in the show notes. I already know y'all are. I know you. I know you looking. <laughs> yes, all the links are there. But would you please just tell everyone where we can get connected to you and how we can find what it is that you are just doing in the world and what God is doing through your voice? Yeah. So I am on Instagram. That's where I hang out most on the internet. So it's just Simi John. S-I-M-I-J-O-H-N. And on my website, simijohn.tv, I have a bunch of free resources. The one that you mentioned about purpose uh, and some other marriage ones as well available. Um, And then I have a devotional that I wrote called I Am Not. It's all about identity and breaking free from the cultural stereotypes that are out there about women and how to become the woman God made us to be. And that is on Amazon. Um, I have a video teaching on that devotional that is available on Right Now Media. So if you have the Right Now Media membership, it's free to you. Um, so you can access that and follow along there. Beautiful, beautiful. I will link everything, everything below. As we prepare to close, can I ask you some secrets? Oh, I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) The first one is in this fast paced culture, what are you doing? What rhythms are you incorporating or affirmations you're including around your space to just help you to remember to slow down? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so interesting. You said that because like literally when I went on a small little getaway at the end of last year, like the last week, the week after Christmas. And that's when God spoke to me because I was just like, God, I love this vacation. This is so good. And I just wish time would slow down. And the Holy Spirit said, time won't slow down, but you can. Mm. And I was like, oh, I'm going to take that. That's, that's the word for me because I'm so bad at slowing down. And so one of the things that I have intentionally started doing is praying for 12 minutes every morning before I pick up my phone. I'm going to, I set, I actually do pick up my phone to set a timer on there for 12 minutes. And I just pray right there in my bed. Um, and I'm, I heard somewhere that if you do it for eight weeks, it becomes a part of your life. And so that's my goal so that I can get to the eight weeks. And then I don't have to even set the alarm. I'll have like a natural 12 minute (laughs) alarm clock built in. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. That's so practical too. Very helpful. What are you doing on a day off? Where are you going? What's the first thing that is on your mind? The days I have off, I'm actually really just chilling around the house, 
Other than that, I love cooking. I love making Indian food. And so today I made some chicken curry. And so I, it's just a creative outlet for me. And so I like to do it when there's nobody else home asking me a million questions. (laughs) (laughs) Really my kids because they're in school. So yeah, that's Mm -hmm. what I love to do. I love to cook. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And lastly, what is bringing a smile to your face these days? Mm, That's a good question because it has been a hard season. I'm not going to lie. It's been a really, really hard season. Um, One of the things that is making me smile is just the joy in my kids' face when they come home um, from school or when I get home and just to see their face and just to be reminded, you know, there is good in the world. And my life is good because I have so many blessings. Sometimes in the bad, it's really like easy to like lose focus and think of all the bad and forget the goodness of God. And when I see them, I remember that God is good. Yeah. Yeah. God is good. Mm. On that note, would you pray for us as we prepare to close? Yes, absolutely. God, I just thank you so much for who you are and for all that you do in our lives, God. We just thank you that you are master, you are Lord, you are savior. I just thank you so much for this podcast. I thank you so much for everyone that is listening. I pray, God, that you're presence would surround them, God, that they wouldn't just hear our voices, but they would hear your voice, Holy Spirit, speaking specifically to the depths of their hearts, into the situations that they're facing right now, that they would walk in peace and have victory and know more than anything else that they are loved by the God of the universe, that they don't need to find love in this world or through people's uh, affirmations, God, but it is already done. Through the cross, we see that we are approved, that we are made daughters, that we are chosen. We are your beloved and help us to live a life in response to that love. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. (sighs) Didn't that conversation just make you want to get into your word? I know I can't wait to just find some time with God to study his word. If this conversation helped you in any way, would you please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Audible and leave a review? It would truly help others to find this conversation. Now, in between time, I am at Candid Lift, and it would be a pleasure to do life with you. I'll talk with you soon. Love you.